Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. This pod was a difficult one for me to do. I'm actually just doing a little preamble right now. The pod was taped two days ago on a day that had profound meaning in my life. And it's a story that I've wanted to tell for many, many years. I'm happy that I was able to do it. It was emotional. It was real. It was raw. And I hope it gives you a glimpse into some of my experiences and some of the things that happened that shaped the man I am today. As I've said before, and as I'll say in the future, so much of what I'm doing today with this pod and in my life is in Brenda's honor and her merit. So I hope you like it. I hope it hits you with the right chord. And hopefully for some, it gives you some strength and some guidance as you try and navigate life in a world and in a society that is often very cruel. Here it goes. Deep breath in. So it's just me today and I'm sitting in my basement office. It's October 5th, 2020. And I'm doing something that it's hard for me to believe I'm actually doing. And I've gotten to the point where I'm actually putting this on tape with the intention for you to hear it. I actually sat down knowing what I was gonna do. And as soon as I pressed record, my heart started to race. I started to get a little bit nervous, not the same nervousness that I had the night before I did the pilot episode for this podcast, but just as if something was happening and something is happening. October 5th, 2001, my life changed forever. That was the day Brenda, my late wife and angel in heaven was diagnosed with breast cancer. October 5th, every year, is a lot for me. And I know some of you also have things in your life and dates that symbolize things. Many of those things are beautiful things, an anniversary, a birthday, an award, dot, dot, dot. But there's also days in the calendar that hit you harder. And October 5th is one of those days for me. And Waking up today and looking at the calendar and knowing I was supposed to tape a podcast, I just had a sense within me that today was a day I was going to do this. And it's weird because I said on Friday's podcast that Monday, meaning today, I would talk about my story, not knowing that today was October 5th. But like much of the last 16 years of my life, there's always been a force that guides me that's stronger than simple human movement and knowledge. I'll get back to that and hopefully we'll make sense a little bit more. So I think before I get into the reality of what happened once Brenda passed away in my life, I think I want to tell you a little bit about Brenda, my wife. She's still my wife. Some people have a tough time understanding that, making sense of it. Some people don't understand how I can have two wives. 
I'm blessed to be married to Julie as well. And that's just because I didn't let society define me or how I would move forward or if I would move forward after Brenda passed away. And I didn't let anybody tell me that she wasn't my wife because she is my wife. She's just not physically by my side. But my commitment to her and her guidance over me has not wavered since the day she passed away. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to read you a letter. And it's a letter I wrote probably it was three or four months before Brenda passed away. And at that point, after a lengthy battle, it was about two years, uh, I always thought she was going to live. And that was just the way my heart needed to be and the way we needed to fight that illness. But I just watched in awe as Brenda fought cancer so bravely, but continued to be a just a pillar of strength and beauty to everybody who knew her. So one day I woke up, wasn't like me to do this. I went in the other room and I started writing a letter to Oprah. So here, dear Oprah, I'm a 28 year old, happy married middle-class Jewish chiropractor. On October 5th, 2001, my life changed forever when my angel was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was 26 at the time. After 10 months filled with chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery, Brenda was given a clean bill of health. Her strong determination and overwhelming strong love and dedication for each other allowed us to have the wedding of our dreams on August 25th, 2002, which was the guiding light that kept us striving during their horrific 10 months of treatment. After eight amazing months of marriage, we were given even more terrifying news. As Brenda was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer to her lungs, she underwent 12 weeks of chemotherapy, three months of radiation to her lungs to only find out that the cancer had spread to several areas in her brain. Since then, she has gone through five radiation treatments to her brain and God willing, will be beginning chemotherapy once again in two weeks. To say the least, my wife and I aren't living the life we envisioned. However, as my wife said to me this morning, quote, we are the luckiest people in the world and have come so much farther than anyone we know in such a short period of time. The reason I write to you is that my wife taught me and so many people around us, some who know her and others who don't, so much about life and living. We don't know what the future has in store for us, but we know one thing. Regardless of what the doctors have told us, my wife and I will win this battle. My wife has spent the better part of the last two years as a very sick person, but you would never know it when you come in contact with her. She is the most loving, caring, unselfish, and courageous person I have ever known, and she exemplifies the meaning of love and life. 
we receive messages, cards, and letters from friends, family, and strangers, all reiterating the fact that my Brenda has been an inspiration and a sense of hope to all of them. I believe Brenda can provide hope and strength to people who require it. And your show is an avenue which can allow her to touch and change the lives of others as she has done for so many who know her. I know in my heart what we have learned during our continued battle against this horrible disease can help the people around us in so many ways. My angel will be the inspiration and knowledge that saves lives and enlightens people's hearts. Our story is one of love, strength, and hope. With love and care, Brenda's husband, Aubrey. Wow, I'm back. Uh, I actually had to take a breather after reading that just for a minute or two. So that was the letter I wrote 28 years ago. And I read it today. And the world, the words are still true. She still is who she was in my life. And I'm not apologetic for that. And I don't pass judgment, especially after what I've been through, about how other people think or perceive once someone passes away or once someone goes to heaven or whatever they may believe. But you could tell by the emotions in the letter that that love was real and it is eternal. And I hope that for some people, this gives you some strength to stay on your path and committed to maybe what your heart tells you. So that was three or four months before Brenda passed away. Prior to that, we had been in the hospital for a month. I would actually make mistakes where I would unconsciously refer to it as our hotel room because we were together. I lived with her there. The doctors and the nurses knew that this man wasn't going home. So we had lived in the hospital for a month. We got to go home. I believe that's when I wrote this letter. And then in mid-December, we were back in the hospital until January 14th. I honestly didn't believe Brenda was going to pass away until three days before she passed away. Didn't matter how many meetings we went to where the doctors gave us grave news. Didn't matter that I had an education in the medical field and had an understanding. It didn't matter. I did believe God was going to bring a miracle. And I have ways of reflecting on that and understanding the miracle that was and is today. But I can remember three days before she passed away, we were in the hospital already for close to a month. And the doctors came up to me and they were accompanied by Brenda's therapist, who at that point became my therapist. And she actually turned out to be a lifeline for me. She understood Brenda. She knew Brenda and she knew me and our love, which helped me be comforted by her over time. And they came and got me and they said, we'd like to show you the palliative care unit. And I just didn't want to see it. It was our hotel room that I was in. I wasn't in a place where my wife was going to die. So that was the first moment. I remember being in the hallway and talking to Sarah, my therapist, 
therapist to be. And I just looked at her and I said, what am I going to do? I knew I was screwed. I knew that where I was in my life, where Brenda was and who she was in my life, that I was in trouble. I think there's so many parts of my story that I'm going to tell over time and in this podcast as I keep going, divulge other things. So I'll skip parts. But this story is important because it gives you an understanding or at least my belief on why I've lived the way I've lived and why I'm where I'm at today. And there were a few things that happened. The morning, January 14th, 2004, still the worst day of my life. Still a day in the calendar that I can't get past. Like October 5th, I can get past it. But January 14th, just, and it, it actually makes me sad also because I know people born on that day. And for them, it's a beautiful day, and I'm so grateful for that. But for me, just too much pain. So that day I woke up, and I didn't sleep the night before. Brenda's breathing definitely had changed. Having to call my family and her family, well, really it was one or two people because they could pass it on, but my brother rushed home from Ottawa. At the time, he was doing his residency in Ottawa, and he rushed home through a snowstorm and somehow made it that he got to see Brenda. And there were a few events that happened in the hospital in the last few hours that my brother being a physician understood were kind of supernatural. And I can remember after she passed away, I waited with her until the funeral home got there. And when they left, I didn't even know what to do. Life gets more and more blurry after that. But I can remember walking down the hallway and Brenda's not the only one. So the story I'm telling other people have experienced it and I never want it to be interpreted that I'm one in any way, shape or form saying one experience is greater or lesser than another. But I remember walking out and I knew at the time, cause I would walk around the hospital floors at night that there weren't a lot of, 28-year-old guys staying there as well with their spouse. And I left the room and packed up stuff. And I walked down the hallway. It was lined with nurses who were crying. And I saw some of those nurses at her funeral, by the way. And I walked into the waiting room. And it was filled with my family, some of Brenda's family, and a friend or two. And I just went person to person and hugged them. There was nothing left. I remember driving home with my brother to my house, to the house that Brenda chose, to the house that she decorated so perfectly, walking into the house. Wow. A feeling that way too many people know. But if you don't know it, I hope you never know it. 
I just lay there on the couch crying. Thank God my brother was there. We talked for hours. We had to plan. I had to write stuff. The next day I was going to a funeral home. 28-year-olds, 50-year-olds for that matter, shouldn't be walking into a funeral home to make arrangements. I was just a kid. I was mature and I was handling my own. And I understood that life wasn't perfect anymore. But as long as I had Brenda, I had the whole world. And finally, after hours of being on the main floor, we went upstairs and Jerome was like, listen, you got to get some sleep because we got a day in front of us. So I hopped in bed and I didn't hop on my side of the bed. I would never sleep on that side again. I slept on Brenda's side. I can't tell you the things over the coming months and years that I did to just try and hold on to anything bricks and mortar, whether it was literally making her t-shirt into my t-shirt or using the same razor for six months because she had bought it. You just want to do whatever you can, or at least I did, to be as close as I could to her. Now knowing that over time, bricks and mortar aren't what's there, what's in your heart and God willing in your mind and your memories are what matters. So I was lying there in bed and I remember the hall light was on. I was lying on my back. Jerome was down the hall in the spare room. And all of a sudden I could feel Brenda's aura and her presence so vibrantly about three feet over me. And I had felt so empty and so uncomfortable and so sad. And at that moment, I felt so loved and comforted. And as if somehow, Jerome, you got to get in here. You got to see this. And I remember trying to call out to Jerome, but I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. I was frozen. And eventually, I felt that sensation kind of pierce my body. And eventually I was able to talk beyond my tears and call Jerome into the room and try and tell him what just happened. The importance of what happened is great. And that moment in time, whether you agree with things like that being possible or not, I knew she was with me. And that combined with one other thing, which I'll tell you about is the reason why I never felt like she wasn't with me and knowing she was with me altered every step after that day. I made mistakes. I lived through dark times. We will talk about those times and I want you to hear those times because that's real. My life was a disaster. It was not that I made disastrous moves because I always knew she was watching me and with me and didn't want her to be ashamed of me. And I had examples of people I know after death who understandably are devastated and make decisions that they otherwise wouldn't have made. But I definitely had the clarity to know that I'm Brenda's husband. So what I do and what people see is a reflection of that. But her coming into me combined with the fact that my therapist after a month or two of sessions, and I went to therapy a lot, and we'll talk about therapy multiple times for four years, like a week, this was, I needed it. It didn't help me in terms of solving my problems, but it gave me a, someone else's objective 
opinion and understanding and someone else's ear, but it was someone who was loving. And that matters because not all therapists are created equal. But it was key for me just sustaining my head above water because life became very difficult, especially when what people see isn't what what is. And what I mean that is, you know, I get it. I'm I'm a relatively well put together, good looking dude. Okay. I have always been fit and I hold myself well and I care about how I look because I knew Brenda was looking at me, but people look at me and think you got the world by its balls and you don't. It was farther from the truth. So you're encountering so much. And thankfully I had a therapist to go to in the first several months when things were so, 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 so dark and they were dark. The farther I got removed from January 14th, the darker it became because there is no going back and going forward was not what I wanted to do. But my therapist, Sarah told me, when I was struggling, she said to me, you know, Aubrey, it's okay for you to ask Brenda for help. It's okay for you to speak to her. And that stuck in my head. So knowing Brenda was with me after that out of body experience that occurred the the night she passed away, combined with the understanding that it was okay for me to speak to her and ask her for help meant she was always with me. And I talked to her often aggressively traveled for 15 years. I, and Julian understands this, I never traveled alone because I always felt like it was my experiences with Brenda. I always talked to Brenda. I leaned on Brenda. When I was flying in airplanes, I listened to songs about Brenda and I always felt connected. In the early years when I was going into the office in the morning and I was devastated. I didn't want to be there, but I had a mortgage to pay for. I had to go to work at some point. And I knew I would be confronting things that were hard for me to stomach, given my reality that is hard for people to see when they judge the book by its cover. When I used to walk into those offices or walk into any scenario or when life got what appeared to be better from the outside, I would always say, okay, Brenda, what are we going to do here? What's tonight going to bring? And I just stayed connected to that. And that gave me comfort. But my eyes and ears were always open to a degree that's overwhelmingly fascinating when I actually get into stories of the things that have happened to me and the signs and not coincidental. I don't, in these type of conversations, believe in coincidences. I do believe things happen for a reason are very hard for us to understand as humans. How can there be so much bad things and you're telling me that that's happening for a reason? I think there's another world that is the one that Brenda shines from to me on and that world is a world that has less pain and hardship and has more understanding. I also believed that I couldn't take my own life because I was of sound mind and I knew that wasn't well. And I make no judgment by those who are unwell to that point. And thank God I believe that. I also had a religious belief within me that I couldn't do that to myself. Thank God for that because I can't tell you how many times I wanted to drive off a bridge. I can't tell you how many times I drove myself home from work 
barely being able to see the road because the tears were flowing down my eyes. I can't tell you how many times I went to sleep at night and said, Brenda, if you can, any way you can speak to God and me not wake up the next day, please. That was my reality. And the other reality is, and where a lot of my lessons will be hopefully passed on, which is really Brenda's wisdom, because as the time went on, several years after Brenda passed away, there is no doubt that Aubrey died. And I know that. I've come to terms with that 19 years later, that sometimes you go through devastation to the point of post-traumatic stress. And if you go through enough challenges and struggle, you might wipe out the motherboard. In my case, you might no longer be there. And I do believe that so much of the wisdom and and well-intentioned being that exists within me is Brenda. And I know she's out there. And to those who know her and are listening, I know she's impacting your lives. And I love it. And I get it. But for me, I just know who I was before I met Brenda and who I was after I met Brenda and who I ultimately became today. And it was a brutal journey with too much heartache, but I was strong enough to not let society develop boundaries and limitations around what I could do or what I wouldn't. If I would have listened to society, Aubrey, you're young, you're good looking, you got to move on. You know, I know this person. I love. What does that have to do with anything? I get it. It wasn't good for anybody, including myself, for me to have been where I really was. And that was hard on all the people who knew me before because I was just, I was done. I was destroyed. And that w- that's not easy for people who love you and care about you to live through. And I recognize that. I can't imagine what it was like for my parents or some of my uncles and closest network listening to me tell them that I just didn't want to be there anymore. Eventually you become such a isolated introvert that your circles shrink. But I also recognize that friendships were challenged like they shouldn't. 28-year-olds shouldn't be going through stuff like this. They do. But death is such a hard thing for people to understand. People just want you to be well and say you're well, and they want to give you advice to get you well, or at least the advice they think. And sometimes that's not where you're supposed to be. I knew early on that the higher you are, the further you fall. The love that Brenda and I shared and continue to share to this day is a blessing. And that blessing became a bit of a curse in terms of the pain that I would have to withstand. But you can't have one without the other. If I would have been, oh, yeah, everything's okay. And moving on, okay, that probably would have been a reflection of what the relationship was. Or maybe the fact that I wasn't well enough to think, hey, you know, it's okay to to stay in your morning and struggles and and go through the therapy necessary and go through the the morning period and all the different phases and stages and you know dot 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 but society just wants you to be okay and they think they figured it out and one thing that i know is if you haven't walked in someone's shoes then 
you probably shouldn't be making a comment about what you think it should look like from their eyes. And that's not to say a lot of people didn't give me a lot of love and comfort and, and wisdom. I'm just saying that the world is not equipped to deal with death and those who aren't ready to move on or put certain things in a box and move on. No judgment here. Understand that. I was stripped to the bone, so there's no judgment here. But there's nothing that said that I need to find someone soon or move on soon. And society made it hard on me. In many ways, if I went to a function or something, like I felt like I belonged at a table with 70-year-olds, not 30-year-olds. But those were part of the struggles that made me who I am, made me more empathetic, made me non-judgmental. Didn't make me perfect, far from it. October 5th, what a life-changing day. And everything happened quick, and after that, the purity was stripped, for sure. I now sit here, beginning my journey to talk about the love, the destruction, the rebirth. I said I have two wives. Julie saved my life. I believe Brenda sent me Julie. I actually joked about it back in the day. For those who've seen the movie Weird Science, they basically <laughs> create this beautiful being with a perfect personality and loving energy that comes out of a machine. It's a good movie. You should see it. I kind of felt like Brenda sent that to me because there were so many twists and turns in my life after she passed away, everything was such low probability of events that took place that got me to a place where I met Julie. And I was in a very dark place when I met Julie. And I was in a dark place several years after I met Julie. Yet Julie had the ability to shine light on what was dark. And Julie... She believed in spirits. She told me that early on. And when she met me several months into it, she said, once I met you, you validated to me that spirits exist because I can sense it. Years later, it's telling that Julie is now a Reiki practitioner and she actually does energy work. And when I talk about all these things, please understand that I am a result-oriented practitioner. So my profession meant that I was all about the results. So I'm not about the placebo. I'm not about things that don't work. But energy is real, both positive and negative. And there's people who have gifts to do certain things. Thankfully, I met Julie, who saw through what I was going through. And I felt enough of that light and warmth to know that that was the right direction for me to go with. Now, through several, several, several chapters that need to be discussed, but now I have two wives, two children with Julie that are named after Brenda. I'm devoted to both of them. They both love me for who I am. They, without a doubt, both love and care for each other. And I say that, and Julie can attest to it, 
because there's been so many things that have happened in our life where we both look at each other and we both know, thank you, Brenda. I have had way too many things happen in my life that Brenda influenced and that were divinely prepared. And I'm excited to tell those stories too. They all made my heart warm. Just like when I'm outside and the sun is shining, I feel like it's Brenda shining on my face. And I hope those out there who feel sunshine feel the same way about it for them and their loved ones. Our bedroom balcony, I can walk out and look up and to the same spot on the property she picked, there's always a star that's flickering. And the whacked out thing is, I've told people that story over time, how there's a star at my house and that's why I never want to move. And I could be in Florida, I can be in Mexico, I can be in Bahamas. And if I'm telling the story, I'm like, yeah, if I walk out, usually it's up top to the right. And I'll walk out of a building up top to the right and there'll be a star there. I'm very grateful that I was able to survive and ultimately thrive and come to grips with the fact that there's two Aubreys, the before Brenda and the after Brenda. And there's a complete disconnect between those two. You know, I sadly lost a lot of my memory and understanding of the years, you know, after she passed away and not just a couple of years, too many years, to be honest. But when you're living in darkness, it's hard for your brain to function normally. And medical professionals I've spoken to understand why there's those voids. I spent the last few years when I was well aware of it, coming to grips with the fact that I don't have to necessarily make those two things mesh. I've had to learn to live life through a storm and keep the boat steady when the storm was around and to insulate myself and to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. But when Brenda passed away, when I wrote that letter to Oprah, I knew that I wanted to honor her one day. I know today that my children, God willing, will be our legacy, Julie and my legacy. And if we do it right, they'll remember us and they'll be impacted by us. Brenda didn't have the fortune of having children because we were too young and didn't get to that point. A lot of therapy sessions dealing with that one, by the way. Listen, I started a foundation called the Love, the Brenda Green Love for Life Foundation. For the most part, it stayed dormant for all those years. I wanted to do it. I just didn't have the strength and stability. I was lost myself. Wasn't at a place to do what I can do today. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. This world has never been in such a lost place. I thought my words had value beforehand. Now I just think about it. I think about what's going on in the world, the amount of deaths from the coronavirus and the amount of people walking into horror. Living life when you've lost a loved one who you want to live with moving forward and is very much the center of your universe is destructive and devastating 
and not a life that really anybody wants to live. People have made decisions that have not protected lives and not did the most possible to save lives. I just can't wrap my head around it because I know that the pain is real and not everybody's lucky enough like I am to have had the bounces that I had to find another woman who would be strong enough, believe in spirits to the point where she's okay with me loving Brenda. Like most guys I recognize, most guys, if you're walking down the street and you were to look at another girl, your wives, or your girlfriends would give you a nice shot in the chest or a not so happy look. Julie lives with the fact that I love Brenda. She's on a pedestal to me and she embraces it. And other people who struggle with it, because I know the comments have been there over the years. People have said things to me. People have said things to Julie. But together is what matters. And we've always been on the same page, which is regardless of what happens with Julie and I and things that we go through that most people go through in life. Brenda's where she always is. Someone we look up to and we include in our life and our family that gives our family more love and more life and more of a sense of completion that either of us could have ever dreamed or wished of. And I guess those are words that Julie would have to say, and I'll have her on here one day. She is one of a kind. But living life after death is not easy. It's not fair. It doesn't always have a happy ending. But we all can do things for other people, for ourselves. To change the way we look at death and to leave some of our opinions and our thoughts and our expectations to our keep those things to yourself and allow someone to go through what they need to because maybe there's multiple ways to do things and if we lead first with love and understanding and we leave judgment to the side we have a lot better chance of seeing and living in that light. In the coming weeks and months, I'll be telling many stories about my life, about our life, about Brenda, and I will honor her and you listening to me allows me to check off one of the things that is on my list of obligations that I take with pride. The charitable work that I'll do in Brenda's name, I'm excited to start talking about that. The people who listen to this podcast, who maybe got a little bit of the strength to say, I can stay where I am and I don't need to move forward. Or I can continue to love someone who's not here while I love somebody who is here. Because the world right now has never been so far off its hinges. And... We need voices and we need people doing little things day to day in communities to help out for the goodness of helping out. 
I will be back. The story will continue. Peace and love.